We hear things in the deep dark night. We see things in the shadows, in the corners of our eyes. In mind and dim light, we sense things when they just aren't right. Our dealings are not with human flesh and bone, but rather with an essence that defies even the basic laws of nature, like space and time. These elusive selves challenge our logical minds, forcing us to take faith in the unseen, the unsubstantiated. We cling to theory, statistical inevitability, and the imminent manifestation of mystery. Brought to you by WKTV, I'm one of your ghost hosts, Wayne Preston Curtis Thomas. Welcome to another episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters Paranormal Podcast. As always, we ask that you please keep an open mind about things that you might not easily believe as we explore the mysterious. Exploring the mysterious with me for a decade together, Brandon Jose. Hey, I'm Brandon Jose. Brandon is now with one of the most well-respected teams in our area. Yeah, it'd be GRASP, which is Gathering Research and Stories of Paranormal Phenomena. And they're out of... Uh, Grand, Grand Haven. Out of Grand Haven, over by the lake, right? And then you've been doing some Bigfoot research with those guys? Yeah, I did, uh, yeah, with Bill and Connie, like... Uh, two years ago, Bill and Connie Jones, and like last year, and like Bill, uh, Bill Jones, I think Mike was up there from Grasp as well last year. Um, this year I was planning on going, but I got my car all loaded up, got up to about Belding, had my check engine light come on. Oh no! And it's about another five hours up to where we needed to go, so I wasn't. <laughs> I had to cancel my plans there. <laughs> so, but hopefully. Yeah, they it's kind of might funny. make it up this year if they do it. It's so. kind of funny. Brandon and I hunting ghosts for a decade. He branches off into Bigfoot, and now I'm a member of MUFON. But Brandon is in this book, Haunted Muskegon. And this is one of our good friends who wrote this book. And then I guess you're including your middle name now, Marie Helena Cisneros. Welcome to the show, Marie. Good to see you again, Wayne, Brandon. Thanks for having me on the show. Now, we have quite a list. I always, I billed you as a triple threat way back when because of all the things that you are involved were involved in at the time because you're a ufologist because you were with MUFON for how many years? Uh, over 10 years. And you did some riding with MUFON. You said responsibilities where you did some writing there. Yep, I was a columnist for the MUFON Journal for about three years. I also booked you as a numerologist, and we talked about the Fibonacci sequence or something, which I had never heard of before then. Kind of expanded, blew my brains out with that. <laughs> I know. And uh, what else? A professional astrologer. I am for uh, since 1998, I think, something like that. So you do ratings and then you post things out of Muskegon? Uh, yes, I do. I've, uh, I've done a few readings um, in the past couple of years. Um, I'm back to doing the Muskegon Under the Stars, or the Stars, <laughs> the Stars Over Muskegon uh, for the Muskegon Channel. So I always that, like that stuff. Interesting to me. Investigative journalist with uh, Muskegon uh, Paranormal. How how what's that wording on that? Um, Paranormal Muskegon, and that is um, I'm a contributor to the Muskegon Channel. dot com. And also ULC minister. Yes. So you can marry people. I thought Mary, maybe you were going to marry our friends Darren Dykos when he got married recently. Then we could have got an invite. <laughs> we would have got. Uh, yeah. You mean you didn't get an invite? We get invited, but oh, God. yeah. And then we oh. add to your list of all those accolades. Now published author, congratulations! Yes. Thank you. And this is your newest book, Haunted Muskegon. Of course, you know me. I've highlighted through the whole thing. I thoroughly digested this. We got a bunch of spoiler 
alerts for people. You warned me already. You don't want to give away everything in the book. <laughs> you probably know more about it than I do. <laughs> well, I know the book well. I really do. Right. So, um, you know, I start, I do the highlights. One of the first highlights in the book was, what, what do you think? Right from the very beginning. I mean, I like this book right from the very beginning to the very end. The bibliography was one of the most complete that I've ever seen because you must have did all sorts of research. I absolutely did. <laughs> yeah. How long did you research on this? Uh, well, basically throughout the, the whole time, uh, right up to where I had to, you know, get it going and, uh, you know, get it in for publishing. But um about a year so about a year of research yeah. and there's oh, so yeah. much i mean the pictures that you included now this cover did, now did you take this photo of the cover yes i took uh the, both the cover photos they've kind of been you know gothed up a little bit <laughs> so front and back and then what house is this on the front uh, that is the Hume House. Okay. And then I I kind of think this is a haunted house stories because it's great haunted house stories in here. Although there are other things, but the haunted house stories are really great. The Torrent House, um, Hackley, what, the museum was it? Or Hackley Library was uh, one of the places. Yep, uh, Hume House, Hackley House, um, the Hackley Library, and the Torn House. Okay, and then this, the way you structured your stories, you seem to you have a way of something that you followed, a formula. You started out with real descriptive first paragraph, kind of like maybe what it was like when it was haunted back in the day, and then you break it down during the chapter to the way things really actually are but i'm going to give an example here shadows lurk in rooms ice cold air sweeps down hallways ghostly orbs float over the land and discarnate voices are heard moaning and whispering i just love that the descriptive the way you start out every chapter like that you really get us you really grab us right from the beginning there I love that. That that had to have been a conscious thing on your part where you did oh. that. Well, I, I like to put a little bit of the, um, the fictionalized view of it because, you know, when we think of that, that's kind of what draws us in, you know, is the mysterious part about it. So when I, that's um, what I, I feel when I'm, I'm hearing the stories or reading the stories or the research. It's just like, what would that be like? Um, and doing the research on that, I believe that is the, the North Shore location where it used to be the North Shore Hospital, right? That chapter that you Right, had. exactly, yep. Yeah, and it sounds like it was probably a very creepy place. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of things that uh, were said to go on out there, you know, and still do, even though it's been uh, torn down for quite a few years. Yeah, that device though that you use, it's on other chapters too, where you really get us right from the beginning like that. But the first thing that I highlighted in your book was in the acknowledgements, lifelong dream. You wanna oh, expand on that? Um, well, is writing a book has always been um, a lifelong dream ever since I was about 10 years old. Um, so I started writing um, probably in the 1980s, uh, more of a personal uh, nature, but um, I've also had manuscripts of uh, a novel, a youth novel called Sequence 17, which hopefully I will get that um, out and published here after my next one. But um, I did a lot of journaling back then, and I think that was kind of just to hone my skills as a writer and, you know, to get practice every day. Every day. But uh, another um, interest of mine, uh, passion really, is um, Scottish history 
And uh, I researched that for over three years because that's part of my heritage. Um, you know, my mother's family, uh, the Cummings clan in Scotland. So that was a story that just um, fascinated me for so long. And I'm like, I just feel the need to write this. <laughs> so yeah, um, the, the history aspect is great in here, of course. That's something that Brandon can appreciate. Yeah. He has own, he's got his I own love, YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, I love history. I love it. it fascinates me. And it's just like I am a seeker of knowledge or hopefully wisdom. But uh, yeah, I love to research um, anything historical. I love historical movies. Um, actually, tomorrow, probably, I might watch 1942, which is about the Battle of Los Angeles. I don't okay. know if you've heard of that. We're kind of like taking a sidetrack off, though. Right. Yeah. We won't go there. <laughs> you must have had the longest introduction of any book that I've ever read. It was like you could have had three chapters in the introduction. You covered a, a lot in there. Of course, my friends, Brandon Jose's in the book. So, and then um, also Darren Dykhouse, our friend Darren with Lakeshore Paranormal is in the book. And then of course we mentioned Grasp and Bill and Connie Jones already. But yeah, the whole, <laughs> there was so much covered in that introduction. You talked about Charles Hackley, like I say, my friends, you talked about LS, L, SLS cameras and the Estes method, method, unfinished business. You talked about so much in that intro. It was this, this book is just jam packed with useful information. You, you said ghosts are, can be uh, characterized as mischievous. Now, has your views changed any after you started researching this? Did you, you picked up more information on ghosts? You had done some ghost hunting before this? No, I've never really been a ghost hunter. Okay. Myself. I was uh, characterized as an alien hunter, right. you know, whiffle hunter, but not so much a ghost hunter. But you did go out to Nudica Cemetery, I heard. I we did, yeah. Uh, Darren and I went out uh, for a segment for Paranormal Skegan that day. And we did go in the daytime, so um, we didn't really pick up anything. But it was still interesting. Hopefully we'll get a chance to, to go out there again and maybe do some other um, boots-on-the-ground type investigations. I, you know, I don't mind, you know, doing those, although I guess I consider myself more of a researcher than a ghost hunter. So, I mean, that's maybe the part of it that I like. Um, I'm not really keen on going into those places, oh. to be honest, because I am empathic. And, uh, um, you know, I have picked up energies here and there that don't tend to go away right away. <laughs> so I-, I Oh, I, they stick with you. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of avoid that kind of things. I mean, uh, I give you guys a lot of credit that, you know, you are, uh, that you do that kind of work. So, and I'm indebted to all of you, you know, obviously for, you know, the the part that you played in helping me write on a Muskegon. And it also has given me a lot of knowledge, you know, uh, especially about the equipment that you use and, you know, um, you know, what you look for, you know, when you do go into those places, so. You do some guys do some amazing work, guys, men and women both. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And then Darren, of course, hanging out with him, he goes to all the cemeteries anyway, graveyards, cemeteries, and then I love that picture of the tombstone that's from Nunica that you have in your book. It's a wooden, really creepy. It's on its side. It's crooked. It looks ancient. Yeah, it does. Yeah, definitely. It's been there a while. Then Darren says that, yeah, he, he, that was a picture that he did, but some of the artwork is from a friend of yours. It is. Yes, it is. So yeah, the illustrations were done by Gabe Shillman and he is an artist um, and a musician, songwriter um, from Nunica, Michigan. So yeah, he's did an excellent job. I really, I, really appreciative of the work that he's done with that. So 
Yeah, Gabe uh, Chillman with Studio 37 Arts. Um, I think his website has actually changed now. I think oh. it's kinggabe.com. Okay. So he's, yeah, he has changed that because um, I think working with uh, professional branding and that. So um, actually he's uh, just recorded in Nashville just uh, over the weekend. So yeah. Oh, there's the picture in your in back of you. That he did. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is um, on the last page. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't make the cover because uh, I guess I don't do painting so much. So oh. I was I was disappointed. But, uh, you know, I did get in the book as a, as an illustration. Is, so, now, yeah, I, I, which house is that? What? Uh, that is a that is a Hume house also. OK. But yeah, I like that. Right, by, right behind you, you can see it in that that like moon, that moon in back of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's amazing. And um, uh, one of the amazing things about that is that when he painted that, he hadn't seen the covers, oh. so he didn't didn't know of it. You know, the moon was part of it, so de definitely intuitive. Yeah, uh, he was channeling the the whole vibe of the. The covers. So. No doubt, he caught the feeling. I've seen yeah. Gabe uh, do uh, singing songwriting because you invited yeah. my wife and I over there, so to Muskegon. That yeah, was, you were you were with me that night, Gabe. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Enjoyed the. So enjoyed we the talked music. about your chapter structure. That I, like I said, I completely love that. Some of the things that you included, you talked about ghost sickness, which. I mean, that's something that ghost hunters know about, but I was glad that you included it in your book. And that's something, that's a EHS, electromagnetic sensitivity to high EMFs, electrical magnetic forces. And Brandon's experienced that. He's had the sickness at different places because he's empathic. So he gets that, he feels things extra strong. Now, Brandon's in the book. Let's talk about. Brandon, your part's in the book. Now, you were at the ship? Mm -hmm. LST-393. It was a World War II uh, transport ship. That's That chapter's quite long and lots of pictures in the book that, on that. And then you had very creepy EVP on the ship. Do you remember that? I'm trying to remember which... Uh... Well, I was, am watching you. Yeah, I'm watching you. Yeah, that's the <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, because we were up in the... Uh, so the back... A little bit of a backstory to that situation was... I can't remember exactly how long it was, but it wasn't... It was like earlier that year, somebody had stolen some metals or something out of... From from the from that museum. And eventually it was recovered and the guy was caught. But I don't think he was at that point in time, if I remember correctly. But it, again, it's been a while. So, like, that was my kind of thinking when I, because I, at the time I had, um, I, I had my recorder running. I had, like, my head, the headphones on, because sometimes, because then you can hear it in real time what right. your recorder's picking right. up. And yeah, I heard, like, we're watching you or, or I'm watching you. Um, so that's what I was kind of thinking. I'm like, okay, this thing's from, I'm trying to think of it from their perspective. You know, they might be there trying to protect the ship. And we're going through the ship when it's dark in the middle of the night. So it's something they're probably not used to. So they probably, you know, they might think we're there trying to rob the place. That's kind of my thinking. If I'm, <laughs> you know, if I'm in their shoes of, okay, why are these people here, uh, you know, at night? <laughs> now, there was there were other things. I think uh, well, somebody from your team saw full form apparition while they were on the ship. There was a couple. I was one. I've actually seen a few things on there. One was uh, we were down in the engine room, and uh, it was me and one of my other team members. We both seen like a seemed like um, there's basically like the big uh, like uh, motors or generators or whatever that are there, um, like in this room and like in the back of it, it you could see almost kind of like like the outline of like shoulders up to like the head, like like a shadow figure, kind of like moving around, you know, in back of the, at the back of the room. And my camera, you could kind of catch a little bit of like the shadow moving, but um, not as well as like what I could see at the time because the camera just doesn't pick it up as well. And then I know I seen like a, 
like um this was further up in the ship of almost like like a type of fog over like the the stairwell over one of the stairwells uh going up to like where the kitchen uh area was oh that's pretty but it wasn't good. like in like a human form but it was like a like a like a mist okay yeah so, that's pretty cool yeah now this was an event that grass put on mm-hmm. to promote para unity yeah yep now marie have you been on the ship Yes, I have. I took the photographs that are in the book. Okay. And ship. then I like your description. You talk about the emotions. Uh, this ship was used as a hospital ship at one time. Some of the things that it's done. But you talk about the loss, the sadness, the despair, and the happiness and hope. The different uh, spectrum of emotions that were on that ship. It's no wonder there's still residual energy and all the relics that are on in this museum that are there. It's no wonder there's ghosts hanging out on that ship. And then this is docked right in Muskegon, right in Muskegon, yes, Michigan. Uh, at the Mart Dock. And uh, they do tours. I'm not quite sure when it opens up, but it is a, a fascinating museum for anybody that's interested in, uh, you know, maritime or uh, World War II history. Even if you don't, prescribed to the whole ghost thing. Yeah, it's it's an amazing place. Um, or if you have, you know, family members that were, you know, in the military, uh, there's just, it's just, it's fascinating. And you can feel the energy when you walk into it. It's just, uh, it's definitely awe-inspiring. All, all um, I felt a lot of energy just uh, the first time, you know, walking in there and that was my first a video and uh, episode for Paranormal Muskegon was the LST ship. So the first time I walked into it, especially going up the gangplank, I said, this feels familiar to me. I just feel like I've been here before. And, uh, you know, I, and I continued to feel that and just, you can just feel the, the energy from the artifacts that are there. Uh, just, you know, and you have to realize that you know what the people went through um you know at, at that time you know world war ii being d-day they were there you know on d-day so i was very much uh um it was an honor actually to be there and to just uh just uh you know feel that energy and and understand more about what they what the whole ship was about and in their stories so yeah, the LST-393, it's a museum, so it's open to the public. I guess it'd be uh, family-friendly, all ages. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, it is. Um, it's uh, six decks, I think, on the ship. And um, obviously, you can go down in the engine room. I did feel rather... Um, Kind of, it's more, it's oppressive down there. And I, you know, when you walk in, you can smell just the oils, you know, from the engine. But uh, when I did go down there, the tour, I was by myself and there was no one at all in the engine room. And when I got to the back part, just, you know, when you couldn't go any further, I think there's a room off from there in the engine room. But uh, there was a section there that I just felt that I, didn't want to get any closer to it. And I did get a couple of photographs that were a little strange to me. And I don't know if they show a ghost, but um, when I took the photo, and the first photo shows like a woman uh, standing, you know, a side view because the second picture I took, it was gone. So I don't know if that's a shadow or if I just picked up an apple. An apparition so i just thought it was interesting you know i'm not saying it's ghosts but could have been a ghost <laughs> you know you've been on this show i guess about four times and then you're on my other show cryptic frequencies so we thought we knew you pretty well except <laughs> i i learned new things now with your book you're from you are from a place and i'm not kidding that's called Ghost Town, Ghost Town, Texas. Yeah. I thought <laughs> I thought you were making this up. 
It's actually, I, it's um, a barrio in Laredo, Texas, or used to be. Um, it's called a neighborhood now. It's not called a barrio, but um, yeah, it's I'm from Ghost Town, so. Isn't that you know. something? That's, there's some I, synchronicities going on here. I didn't realize that till a few years ago, because my brother is older than me. And he's the one that uh, told me that. That's so. funny. I, I thought I knew you pretty well until that. I found that out. And then, you know, being a numerologist, I noticed something in your book. The number 13. Come, oh, 13 chapters. 13 chapters. Of course. <laughs> You're 13 years old. Oh, yeah. When you kind of got a book that had different topics, UFOs, witches, ghosts. And that kind of sets your pace right there from the time you were 13. That's true. It definitely set me on a <clears throat> kind of a path of doing more, you know, research and reading books on that. Um, I guess I've always been, you know, interested in, in any of the, anything mysterious or just bizarre of that nature. Since I was really young, I kind of grew up in that. Well, I grew up in a family that, you know, we believed in things like second sight. It was just part of, you know, who we are, you know, that you, you know, had, you know, dreams that um, of a future, future and things like that. Um, my mother, or my grandmother always told us a story about um, seeing a frogs fall from the sky. No, I believe it was, it was either fish or frogs, but that she had actually seen that when she was younger. So, of course... And I'm trying to figure out how that could happen. <laughs> and then I was, um, I've seen UFOs, you know, since I was um, quite young. So I've had those experiences too. Um, so all of that has just been part of the, um, just my path into the unknown, I guess. But it was just so, curious, the 13s, you started when you were 13, the um, Hackley House. 13 different colors. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Captain Santa. Captain Santa and the unlucky 13 crew members. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the, yeah, that's the superstition about the number 13, but um, in num numerology or, you know, in the mystic view, number 13 isn't unlucky. It's just that if you don't know how to use it, the luck of the 13, it can turn bad. It's because it's um, it's a karmic number. Karmic, right. And it, it's a materialistic number. So if you don't know how to handle the good that comes from the luck of the 13, then, you know, karma will get you and, yeah. you know. Right. <laughs> Turn. So that's the thing with the, the number 13. Um, our view and being told that it was unlucky is actually just a more a way of, you know, maybe the, the religious powers that be in the past didn't want people to know that. So. Oh, yeah. Well, there's Friday the 13th. A lot of countries do not use 13 for streets, floors, uh, apartments. Yeah, they, they don't even use 13. And it, you, you go uh, in the elevator and there's no 13. When you get get on the elevator, there is no 13. But like you said, it's a karmic number. It can mean good luck, prosperity, change, positive outlook, and love connection. So I don't know. It's not a love story here, but... Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm getting married on... Uh... Friday the 13th in October. So. Oh, well, think of the good part. In the, yeah. The good karma. Yeah. Oh, hey, I'd love to do a gothic wedding for you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we're doing like a Harry Potter thing. Congratulations, so cool. by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's and then there was uh, like a lot of like the 13th, a lot of it went to because that's like when the French king like uh, convicted or made the Pope to go after the Knights Templar. And like a bunch of them were like captured and uh, like tortured, or I think are executed on the on a Friday the thirteenth. So that's kind of where that is believed to have kind of come from that it was bad luck. 
Because oh, okay. for them, it was bad luck. But <laughs> definitely bad luck for him. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was very, basically barbecued. It was um, yeah. Um, deep hands. I can't think of his last name. But yeah, it's uh, pretty heinous what they did to him. Yeah. Well, they rounded them all. They rounded them all up. Uh, I believe it was uh, March March thirteenth, um, the year thirteen thirteen oh six. Uh, that they rounded all of the Knights Templars up all over the world, um, all in the one day, so. Oh, okay. And then there were 13 at the Last Supper. And I, apparently the last person that showed up, there was something about that person too. But the only other 13 that I could come up with in the book, though, is a stretch, and it's the Torrent House. There's actually 31 rooms in the Torrent House. You have to invert that to come up with 13. But still... Oh, that's a lot of 13, 13 chapters. Numerology is because it still adds to four. So. Oh, okay. All right. But I thought that was interesting that I discovered that in your book and you being a numerologist, how that 13 just kept coming up. Yeah, especially when you started out 13 years old and that's when you got your start. A lot of us that are on this show got an early start. Brandon and I both, and a lot of people that have been on the show had early starts, and then it kind of just worked off of that. But you have made your dream come true. I think that's just great. I'm glad I'm a small part of it. Seeing it from a distance has been fun for me. Oh, well, thank you. You, def you are definitely part of it. So I've appreciated, uh, you know, every time I've been on the show and that you're, you know, um, willing to put me out there and <laughs> talk about this stuff. I mean, I do enjoy it. You know, anything of the, anything that's mysterious or different or hidden, you know, it's in the, the word occult doesn't always mean um, anything really horrible. It just means that it's hidden and that can be, you know, a lot of different things. So a lot of knowledge was hidden from us, you know, throughout the ages and that, you know, has to do with our own power so that uh, you know we are powerful beings as as creators of our own reality so I and mean, that's a, a form of knowledge that has always been kept from us you know only the elite type of people only the ones that uh, some of them used it for uh, nefarious purposes would keep it from us yeah well no black magic on this show you can't talk well, that's go ahead you can't talk. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you can't talk Muskegon without not talking Charles Hackley. You want to talk about Hackley and how his some of the things you learned about him? Um. Well, yeah, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, I'm not a um really well versed in Charles Hackley. I did find out a few things, you know, of him um, for the book. Um. So, I mean, obviously he was um, one of the most prolific and uh, well-known philanthropists in Muskegon. And he was, he built a lot of the, you know, the buildings is uh, Hackley, Hackley House, obviously was his home and uh, Hackley Library, Hackley Hospital and, uh, you know, Hackley Park. Um, a lot of, he did a lot of other work. Art museum. You know, with that. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. And actually, the art museum was one of the first endowments that he did for Muskegon. I've been there. That was, that was, it's one of the best art museums around. Oh, well, it's considered a world-class museum. So right. we have lent artwork to uh, places all over the world. Um, there are some very famous paintings there. It, it's amazing. That's a... Uh, a really great, great place to visit if you're in Muskegon. The Art Museum and the Regular Museum, uh, the Lakeshore Museum, um, which is kind of like all together, the Hackley House, Hume House, um, uh, the Industrial Museum, and uh, Skolnick House, and uh, they're all part of one museum system now. So you can usually visit all of those. And they're all great, just... I had a good time just doing a research just so I could go and visit these places again. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back to Muskegon because I haven't seen all of them. I have been to the Art Museum. I've been to the Hackley Library. You know, the second floor in the library is all glass. 
Yes, it is. Uh, six inches of glass. It's so still, it's pretty... when I was walking on it, I'm like, it's kind of like walking on ice. You're not real sure about whether you're going to crash yeah, through or not. It is a little disconcerting when you first see that, right. but yeah, it's, I've been on it a few times. It's, it's safe. And it, I guess what is, it's a little different. It's because you can look down in between the, the glass, you know, and the boards there and see the floor below you. See, so I went to the like, library. We went to the library as Grand Rapids ghost hunters and we were asking them about being haunted. And they're like, oh no, we're not haunted. You went there and got a good interview. You talked to the right person. We told you all about the things that were going on at the library. People seeing what they thought was Charles uh, Hackley there and in the bathroom mirror and books flying off the shelves and different things. You got a real good interview. Yeah, it was. It was a good interview that we, that was another one that we did for in Paranormal Muskegon. So yeah, that was a, learned a lot about uh, the ghost in um, Hackley Library. And I don't know if it's Charles Hackley's ghost, but um, you know, if the people are too believed, uh, it's a pretty interesting things going on there. I mean, books don't fly off the shelf by themselves, obviously. Right. If they're, are not pushed then uh something else is going on yeah the descriptions are never the book fell off the shelf it's it flew off the shelf right that was witnessed by uh quite a number of people apparently uh several different times and people see charles hackley on the streets in muskegon also there's reports but why not he, I, I heard that he gave one third of his wealth back to the city all these different buildings and parks and stuff that he put money towards. He believed that, yeah, that was his responsibility to give back. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. One of the founders yeah. of Muskegon, really. You, you talk about Muskegon as being a lumber town, and it was rough back in the day. It was. Oh, yeah. Was. <laughs> yeah. And then it. Well, yeah, we're definitely a lumber town. You know, we go, it goes back to the early 1700s, you know, with uh, the fur traders. You know, of course, it goes back even before, you know, with the Native Americans. But, uh, you know, the first were the, the French fur traders. And, uh, and then, you know, the lumber, the lumber era, you know, came into, uh, came into being and, I guess, unfortunately, for a lot of trees that uh, that were felled from here and actually in other counties, you know, in the state of Michigan, a lot of them really never came back, but uh, basically built the world. And it's said that, um, I think I do mention that in the book, that the trees from lumber from the Muskegon sawmills actually rebuilt uh, Chicago after the Chicago fire. Yeah, I, I love the history about it, too. And then there were a lot of fires because they had these big piles of sawdust. So there was a lot of uh, tragedy that went with the fires. And, and But it was like described as the wild, wild west. It was rough with these. Mm -hmm. these. This was a rough crew back then, these lumberjacks and that. Yeah. There was well, they had to be. You, know, you live in, in the conditions that they were living in, especially back then. Uh, you had to be uh, pretty rough. I think to be able to, to number one, to handle the winners here, you know, out there uh, pulling those, uh, getting those logs out of the woods or, you know, I'm not sure what the, some of the terminology is, you know, right at this time, you know, what they would have to do to float those down the river. You know, they would actually get on the logs and straddle them as they're going down the rivers, you know, so it's like. Yeah, I've watched some of those gotta, programs with those lumber guys even you, you also and then, talk and then too you had to be careful to because you had to prevent jams because like in yes. like in grand rapids it happened before i think the grand river changed course because it was a big log jam in the middle where it about flooded everything because oh. like all the logs got all jammed up okay <laughs> you talk about the lake michigan triangle and then uh we've talked about that on this show before and some of the things that happen in this area 
in the pink here in Lake Michigan. What do you remember any of the stats? Uh, how how many uh, planes or ships uh, have gone down? Well, there's been I guess um, over the Great Lakes, it's anywhere from six thousand to eight thousand ships. You know, over the maritime history that they've kept track of, um, how many have been in within the um, the Muskegon Triangle or the Michigan Triangle? Um, I really don't remember. I know that there's been a few uh, famous cases, and that was the one that we did talk about, the plane that went down, I believe, they found the wreckage down in Benton Harbor. Um, that was in the early 50s. But at the time, it was the the worst plane crash. Oh, um, yeah, Flight 2501 in 1950 is missing, never found. Nine ships have been found while they, when they were looking for this plane. And they found nine ships, right? Quite a few of them. Um, there's actually getting to be a lot more interest in the Michigan Triangle. So I was glad we had a chance to talk about it first. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. I don't know if uh, that um, the structure that they found at the bottom of uh, Lake Michigan it has anything to do with uh, any of the anomal anomalies. Stonehenge. You know, yeah, the Michigan Stonehenge and uh, the the stone that is in the center of it that they some say it it looks like a mastodon, so which would mean that it was there and that the area was dry land, you know, at the time that that structure was built. Right. So that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I've seen some of that. Right, and then. There's actually like time loss reported in the triangle. You know, the compasses don't work. There's more action in around Michigan here in the Great Lakes than the Bermuda Triangle, really. There's there's right. more things happening here, right? So much in this book. And you went, like I say, it was haunted store it was haunted houses, history, LST, ships. There's so much information in the book. Yeah, but then you're writing another book. You're writing another book's coming out. Besides the uh, novel, you're writing another paranormal ghost stories. I am. It's called, it's Haunted so far. is The title is Haunted Nuevo County. So I don't know if there's, I'm thinking there's going to be 13 stories in this one also. Oh. Um, <laughs> of course. That yeah, was kind of like... It's your standard paranormal, you know, number, oh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Haunted Nuego County. I tried to figure out, now, what are you going to write about? Because I did the same thing with this book. I wrote an article on you and tried to figure out, now, what's Marie going to write about for Muskegon? But for Nuego County, I came up with one haunted bed and breakfast. Were you gonna scoop me on my stories, no way? Only one. <laughs> I this because I, I don't know what what you're gonna write about. Uh, La Bella de la Riviera or something. I don't know even know how to pronounce it. But uh, so oh, we might be hearing about that, huh? Maybe. Uh, yeah, that is one of the chapters. I, I none of them are set in stone at the current time, except um, the first chapter I. I have started on, and that's from the, the Dungeon Swamp. Okay. So that's actually a very well-known um, story, and that is uh, basically, it's centered in the Manistee National Forest. So, you know, it's kind of, this book is going to be a little different because it is more wide-ranging, you know, than just the Muskegon, because a lot of what I did there was just based you know, on places uh, other than a few are, we're all like downtown Muskegon. So, you know, and some of the houses there, but with Nuego County, I think the focus is just going to be a little different um, because it is more wide ranging. And I have, I think I have maybe about that I know of, I think there's like four or five different um, towns that I'm focusing on. Uh, one is the uh, city of Nuego and uh, city of White Cloud. And there's a couple in um, Grant uh, that were pretty interesting. So, um, so yeah, the the Bella della Riviere uh, bed and breakfast. Um, that is one 
uh, that's basically um, my really early research is what I'm doing so far is it dates to the 1871. So, and that was during the lumber era. It was built during the lumber era. Um, said that people have heard, uh, you know, reports of music, you know, other things like that and ghostly voices. Um, there's, um, you know, the Haunted Dam in Croton, Michigan. Um, that That's actually a pretty well-known story too. And, you know, like I said, a lot of them I haven't done a lot of, you know, any in-depth research other than the Dungeon Swamp, which, uh, you know, I pretty much, you know, kind of got that one. So that, yeah, that was a, that was pretty interesting, uh, pretty interesting story too. Oh, so yeah, I, you give me some uh, research now. Some, you give me some things I can look up now. Try to get ahead, try to get ahead of you on your book. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it coming out. One of the the stories in your book that really hit home with me was the um, dead man's hand, because I, when I grew up, we played poker at my house, so I know Ace. Oh, well, yeah. Aces and eights is the dead man's hand. I knew that, right? Like then, I grew up playing cards too. You know, I'm from Texas. I could play cards before I could ride a bike. Okay, right. I, I played poker before I could ride a bike. So. Oh yeah, we played poker at my house when I was growing up. So I, that really struck home with me, and it was just a great little story that that you told. Of course, it's a different dead man's hand in in your in your book here, but. We won't give away all the, all the. No. No, we, we can't give away everything. <laughs> on, on this interview. You never read the last ending. <laughs> um, but there was, I saw, you know, you did a, Brandon had you on the show before, and you did a thing, you talked about some synchronicity that you had with a captain on a, at a birthday party. Do you remember that story that you told? Oh, oh, um, yes, it was the the captain of the, the uh, Milwaukee, was it the LS Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Clipper. Okay. See, it's been a while. Um, yeah, he was the, the captain of the Milwaukee Clipper. And, uh, and I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right at the moment. But yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting him. And um, the synchronicity was that um, when I went down there that night, that was at the, the Berlin, at Berlin Sprig, which is a, um, a distillery and a restaurant in Muskegon. So they were uh, doing the Muskegon live show there for um, the Muskegon channel. So I went there just to, to see the show, but I wore a shirt that I bought when I toured the LST museum. So I was wearing that shirt and uh, I didn't know that that's who the birthday party was for at the time. So um, when I, I got there and I sat down, I ended up sitting across the table from the woman that does, I believe she does uh, marketing for the Mart Dock, which is where the LST Museum is, you know, moored, which would, you know, make sense because, you know, she's there for the, you know, for the birthday party also, but, uh, and also, got to, to sit across from um, Captain uh, McGee, which is, he is the, the he's a member of the board of the LST, you know, and the, the Aqua Star. So they were all down there for the birthday party. So yeah, it's just like that synchronicity event, you know, happened. So, you know, I got a chance to, to meet that captain. So I think, whoa, what are the odds? And I wore my, you know, my, my LST shirt. I got to meet all of these people, you know, the LST. So, yeah, and I had a, a little chat with him about that, you know, about the LST ship. So, and, yeah, it was really great. It was a really great night, so. Yeah, I like it when those things happen. It kind of tells you you're at the right place, you're doing the right thing, you're on the right track. That, to me, that when you get that synchronicity like that, that's a sign. Yep. You're yeah, I like that when the, the universe just comes together and things like that. It's very cool. Yeah, very cool. I think so, too. On page 107, I think it is, I got here, you say many ghosts just want their existence to be acknowledged. Now, I had that as our final thought when we had Darren on. And I, I asked him and Brandon, you know, do you think that's true, that the ghosts just want to 
they just want to be seen or heard or they have a story to tell. And everybody pretty much agreed with your statement here. But I want to take that a step farther. I think not only do they want to be acknowledged, I think they want to know that they haven't been forgotten, which is kind of the same thing. I mean, when I'm when I was doing ghost hunting, that's I would say, you know, I would remind them, you know, you haven't been forgotten. We're here for you. And if we can help you. But did did you uh, did someone say that to you? Many ghosts just want their existence to be acknowledged. Or is that some research that you came across? Or is that something you just thought yourself? No, yeah, that's just my sense of what it would what they want. So, oh, yeah. And like I say, they all agreed with you. All these ghost hunters I asked about it, they they thought that was a, a very true statement. I think there's something to be said for that. But for me, ghost, unfinished business. I mean, you talk about it in the book too. Unfinished business. You know, they've got something, some kind of agenda that they want to accomplish, and that's the reason that they've used their their will. And it was theirs to do with what they want. So they've chose not to move on until they complete this task. And I think we can help them out as ghost hunters sometimes. Uh, go into one of these haunted houses if it's not residual energy, if it is an intelligent haunting. Well, I like one of them that you talked about. You talked about the smells in one of the houses or where they had had horses. And you could still smell... And I think your the nose is one of the things that has the longest memory. People don't realize when they bring in tools for ghost hunting, your nose is one of the better ones, really. I don't remember what yeah, can... which house that was. Actually, the it's uh, the carriage house is between uh, the Heckley and the Hume houses. It was shared by uh, both families. So I want to go there because I have a sensitive oh. nose. Yeah. So you, I, probably... <laughs> yeah, I want to go there and see if I, it smells like a barnyard or not. I'm interested in that. Oh, I encourage you know, anyone to go and visit the houses, even if you're not interested in, in ghosts. But, you know, you might, you know, uh, sense something or see something. Uh, you know, quite a few people have throughout the years. But the houses themselves are absolutely beautiful. You know, it's just... Um, yeah, it's there, especially the Hackley House. You know, the if you read in there, I think it's like if you worth over six million dollars, something like that. If they were built today, just uh, the the wood carving that is done on the the banisters and oh, the rails. Right. Oh yeah, um, you had one of the glass. It's beautiful. One of the things on one of the doors, it was uh, really creepy looking uh, wood carving. It's, uh, it's the green man. What? It, it's it's the green man. Yeah, the green man. I don't even know if that. I don't know where the camera is. I, well, there's a on me the mythology of the green man. So yeah, a lot of people have taken that to mean that he was into some sort of dark arts. Well, that's what it I looks like. It, it looks like it is like the devil. It's like you know. The 1800s was part of the Enlightenment era, too. So a lot of that, you know, the, the belief in, in that sort of thing, um, Green Man and Earth, you know, folklore and, you know, Earth-type religions was just getting to be more um, more common, you know, or just learning about it. So I think that might be part of it. I'm not quite sure why, you know, the Green Man is in there, but... I think it's yeah, I think it's really cool. Oh yeah, the architecture in some of these houses, like you well, say. a lot of it. I was just gonna say like too, like on the the Green Man one, like there's a lot of it of like the motif, and it was a really big design thing. Even then, like even going back, like I think it, even like back to like the Greek and Roman times, like the Green Man was a very common, like even a design thing. It's like a lot of it, I think it might have been like might have been tied with like pan and stuff like that. Okay. So yeah. Really tied to pan uh, or the elementals, yeah. you know, or so, and a lot of them, it's the anima that the belief that um, all everything in nature has uh, its own spirit, 
or not, you know, not a soul like humans, but a, a spirit and animals, things that are, you know, they're basically alive. So, you know, that's part of maybe what the green man uh, symbolized. Okay. Now, I think it's the torrent house. Doesn't it look like a medieval castle? Is that the, I had the right one? It looks like, and yes. Wow. I made a brick. Yeah. And then these guys, like they try to outdo themselves. These barons, these lumber barons. Yeah, you, I'm going to build a bigger house than you. <laughs> yeah, well, talk about that. Yes, he was, uh, that was a one-upmanship with uh, Charles Hackley, who, you know, was his rival. And uh, his house, uh, the Torn House at the time, was the most expensive one in Muskegon. I think uh, it was made, it's made of blue stone. And it was all imported. And, of course, all of the wood was imported. But a lot of the wood that came from... All of those houses uh, came from forest in Michigan. Maybe some of them are from Maine, you know, especially the hardwoods. So they were probably from their own mills, I would think. But I don't know that for sure. Yeah, they're they're just spectacular. I got to get back over there, though, get a better look at them. Now, I just remember one with the torrent house we were investigating. So they had like a door down in the, like the basement. It's like this beautiful, ornate door. And I'm like, yeah, it's such a shame this is just sitting down here in storage. <laughs> no doubt. So you investigated the Torrent House. You had uh, Steve Wilson from Australia, mm -hmm. the psychic, our friend over there. Laura Briggs, she's a psychic medium, astrologer. So you had those guys with you. And then they were sensing some things. Yeah, so I can kind of tell from my perspective. of So like that particular night, I was running late because I had to work until like, eight o'clock or something. I had to run to Muskegon, which is a good drive. Yeah. So by the time I got there, like I came in and before like I'd seen anybody, all of a sudden like I'd seen like this old late like old lady like kinda hunched over, like, you know, kinda like you know, like you have when you have a bad back, like as you get older. And like see like very briefly. So then eventually we ended I ended up catching up with like Steve Wilson or or Dan who was our one team member. He was like, Oh like uh what you just described, like Steve Wilson had just had just seen the exact same and the exact like seen the exact same woman like in the exact same spot, and I didn't know that time because I was just walking in the door when I had seen it. So that yeah. that was uh, really interesting there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you you heard footsteps, mm -hmm. and you had a uh, another EVP that was kind of creepy. Said, "Come here," at the Torrent House. One of your members did. I know Brandon hears a lot of these things right with his own ears without having any sort of equipment to even enhance it. Yeah. Cause he's quiet enough that he can pick up on that. Uh, we need to go into the final thought. And then, uh, Edgar Allan Poe said, you are not wrong who deem that my days have been a dream and all that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. Now I kind of hit on this already because the very first thing I highlighted was this was a fulfillment of a lifelong dream. So do you think now you're living the dream at right now? I am. I'm living my best life right now. So, yeah. <laughs> Very, yeah. One thing I want to point out though, is that I'm, I'm grateful, you know, to have this opportunity. I'm grateful for, you know, everyone that has, uh, you know, helped bring me to this down this path. So, you know, I'm really looking forward also to, you know, the next step and, uh, you know, getting paranormal, or uh, getting uh, Haunted Nuevo County uh, yes. published. And, uh, you know, I that too. Yeah. So. We're looking forward to that too, Marie. Brandon, you live in the dream? Yeah. I was uh, still going investigating and <laughs> doing, carrying out my passions, doing getting the podcast going again. Took a little bit of a break there. <laughs> yeah. But like you said, you got some changes yeah, coming up. Yeah. I'm be getting here, married. So. so that's all good too. <laughs> yeah. I think you are living the dream. Yep. And for me, hey, oh. I, I'm retired. So <laughs> I'm retired. I am. I'm living the dream without a doubt. Now, uh, so we do a shout out to Jack Bouchon. He was the last one we had on the show. He's a retired. Uh, radar operator meteorologist who in uh, March 8th 1994 reported the UFOs over Lake Michigan uh, so a shot we had him and Bill Konkoleski he's the MUFON director on our last show 
Uh, shout out to Tanya and Kim, our co-hosts. Tyler, who's in the room making this happen. And then Kelly, who puts it on TV for us. Uh, shout out to all those guys at WKTV here. Uh, upcoming and ongoing. Marie, you got any book signings or anything you need to tell us about? Um, let's see. On the March 17th, I will be at... Uh, the Coffee Factory, which is, uh, I believe, 1402 Hudson, and I will be doing a, a book signing there for uh, the Book Nook 2, um, and that's going to be fun. I'm not quite sure of the time, but um, if people want to follow me on uh, Paranormal Muskegon, that is on um, www.facebook.com slash Paranormal Muskegon, and I also post updates, you know, for, you know, the show from the Muskegon Channel. If they want to purchase my book, they could contact me there and you can get a signed copy. Or if you want to get it from uh, the publisher, it's Haunted Muskegon uh, at arcadiapublishing.com. Okay, excellent. Now you do have another book coming out maybe next year. That's... It's due out, in, I'm not quite sure uh, the month, but it will be out in 2024. And then your novel that you've been working on for what six years? Uh, yeah, mm, a few. I don't know about four or five years. It's done. It's just that uh, you know because of this you know came up. Obviously, I did uh, that. Kind of took put that on the back burner. But uh, I am planning on working and getting it uh, to a publisher. You know, after this sequence so. seventeen is your novel. Sequen Yes, it is. Great. And I found. Go ahead. There was a lot of para, uh, synchronicities in writing that book, also, and a lot of things. It's kind of dystopian, so a lot of the things that I'm seeing uh, right now, um, where I actually did kind of write some of that in the book, which in a way is a little, it's a little strange, I guess. So um, you know, I found in some parallels there. But um, that's kind of, I guess, whether that was going to be, you know, what people would think that was hindsight. Uh, if, you know, it comes out afterwards is, you know, you know, as a, just a, a matter of opinion. <laughs> you know, I could say, oh, well, you know, I did write this. I finished the first draft of it in uh, November of 2016. So, you know, and I've just been editing that, you know, getting it ready for publication. But uh, so, yeah, that's that's in the works, too. And uh Another one called Guardians of the Realm, which is uh, oh. the Scottish, yeah, Scottish book that I wrote. I kind of wrote it for my mother, you know, just uh, she's the one that got me interested in uh, doing the Scottish history. And that's actually kind of based on uh, my ancestors. And he, the 13th century, they were the most powerful clan in Scotland. And he was uh, heir to the throne of Scotland until he was assassinated <laughs> okay that's the first i've heard yeah. of that one all right yeah. so well, that's another that's another very common uh well-known you know historical fact is the um the fight between ian cummings and robert the bruce and you've heard of all heard of braveheart right right so um my ancestor ian cummings was a contemporary with uh um william wallace and uh, actually fought in the same battles as William Wallace. So, you know, all of that, it, it, and to me, it's just, I fell in love with the history. So it's just, I, I just felt compelled to yeah. kind of get that story from your mother, so. It sounds compelling already, really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Brandon, upcoming for you? Well, not until like May, we we'll are investigating the city of Milwaukee, uh, ship again for the weekend. So looking forward to that. Um, at least in terms of paranormal stuff, going to be starting. Had a, you know, kind of took a break from doing the podcast for a while, but going to be getting to and booking some more shows. So we'll start having shows out again on a regular basis here okay. soon. So, all right, excellent. And then um, you have the right to talk to aliens by Sev Talk. She just published this. She was on the MUFON meeting. She's going to be on the show. We haven't exactly set it up yet, but that's upcoming. And then Brandon and I will be lecturing in the whole in October, the whole month, almost all of the KDL libraries. Um, in between Brandon getting married, I don't know. 
I don't know. He's going to be busy month for him. Yeah, October. It already is to begin with, but yeah. <laughs> it's going to be super busy this October. Right. And then, oh, by the way, this gal, Sev Talk, is the assistant director to North Carolina MUFON. And then, uh, so I guess that's uh, it, except for inspirational thought. And the inspirational thought comes from Walt Disney. All our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. Marie, I think that's exactly what you've done. You've come up with the courage and the hard work uh, to make this dream come true. And you made Brandon a star in your book and our good buddy. He was he was, was already and our good buddy Darren. Darren loves it. Darren Dykhaus. He's he really loves it. He's he's kind of like all of a sudden this all this work that he's done through the years, and then he's got now this to show for it that you've you know immortalized them in your book. So well, it's the other book there. But. Oh, this book <laughs> and your book. Yeah. Not that book. In your book. It's so it's validation for him after all these years, because it doesn't come easy in our industry, you know, validation. So yeah. thank you so much and good luck with your next endeavors. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. It was always great to talk to you guys. Peace out. Peace out. Yeah. <laughs>